You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. All right, Trace, let me hear from you this morning. How we doing? How we doing? Awesome. Hey, so good. So good to have each and every one of you with us today. I also want to say welcome to all of those that are still watching online. Thanks for joining us wherever you're joining us from. And uh, for those of you that are new, met some new people today. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. And yes, we've been uh, not been able to gather for the last 10 to 12 weeks in this room. And I think it's important that we continue to use language that's, in, I think language is important. And really in all uh, aspects of our life, I think language is important. So let me use some language. It's a drum that I've been beating for a while now. We are not reopening the church today. We're not reopening the church because we never closed the church. You cannot close the ecclesia of Jesus. You cannot close the movement of God. And so in the midst of us not being able to gather together, it doesn't mean that we didn't continue to give. It doesn't mean that we didn't continue to express what the hands and feet of Jesus look like. And I'm so proud of this church. And I just want to read to you a few things. You saw them on that video, a few things that we were able to do over the last 10 to 12 weeks. Uh, We were able to bring groceries to the elderly. We had bike technicians that were repairing bikes for free. I love that. We gave food away to those who were in need. We gave blessing bags to single moms. We gave school supplies for uh, struggling families. Uh, Some of our Trace Kids, the kids in our Trace Kids ministry made cards for people in nursing homes. And uh, for what it's worth, we're about to give uh, $2,500 from our dollar fund. We're not really giving it away, but we're going to be buying lunch for our first responders. And so I want to let you know that we couldn't have done any of that without your faithfulness and without you understanding that, yeah, we can't gather together, but it doesn't mean we, we don't stop giving. It doesn't mean we stop giving of our time, of ourselves, of our resources. And so thank, thankfully for you and what you were able to do and partner with us, uh, we were able to represent Trace Church really well over the course of this COVID-19. So I want you to give your, yourself a hand of applause, if that's okay. Thank you so much. That was kind of weak. Let's do it again. Give yourself, yeah, there we go. Make it happen. Make it happen. All right. I've been uh, thinking about this verse a lot this week. I wanted to share it with you today. It's in Galatians uh, chapter 6. Paul was writing to the church in Galatia. He said, let us not become weary. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, if we're being honest this morning, I bet many of you would say, I'm weary. (laughs) I'm weary. And if I was being honest with you, I would say that this season has made me a little bit weary. And the reason I wanted to start with that is because today will be a challenging message. Today, I want to put some challenges in front of us. And I start with that because, church, there's still work to do. There's still work to do. And I believe that there are opportunities. Let me say that differently. I believe there are obstacles in front of us right now that are going to create opportunities like we've never seen. Opportunities for us to not just talk about what we believe in but show what we believe in. And we're not going to get into this in depth today, uh, but next week I wanted to go ahead and give you a heads up that I will be inviting a friend of mine, Brandon uh, Cormier, uh, to come and spend some time with us. And we are going to talk about the subject of racism. And I feel like i got to make a caveat here, and it's unfortunate that I do, but I'm going to make it. Um, We're talking about racism. And it's funny because by speaking up and saying something about racism, Uh, that still exists in our country, all of a sudden people are taking that to different extremes where it's like, well, does that mean you want to defund our police officers? I'm like, what? Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We should be paying our police officers more than we already do. They've got one of the hardest jobs in the world. Why me talking about racism? Do you automatically link that I want to defund 
police stations. And so these extremes and deviations have come out of this conversation that have gotten incredibly political and nasty, and it's a cesspool. I don't even want to venture onto social media anymore because it's a cesspool of these strong emotions that even as Christ followers are not rooted in love. And I'm like, let's get the weeds out of the way and let's talk about something that our Heavenly Father would want us to talk about. And that is the subject of racism and the fact that it still exists in our country today. Can I remind you that we're all image barriers of our Heavenly Father, all of us. And so if any of us, any, any group of people... Um, we're on the other end of any type of discrimination or racism. What it, like, We should be, as people of God, as children of God, we should be the first to speak up. And I know that there's going to be maybe a lot of different deviations of opinions on this, but I just want to bring us all back to the center of one conversation. And that is, um, as followers of Jesus, we have been called to justice. We have been called to stand up and stand in and stand for those that are finding it hard to stand for themselves. And so uh, I can only speak so far on that subject. So I want to bring a friend of mine. Brandon is a very strong voice uh, in that community right now. And all I want to do is like help us find some action steps. Help us find some action steps moving forward so that we can be better advocates uh, for the kingdom of heaven when it comes to the subject of racism. Sound good? All right, let me say a prayer for us. Um, and then uh, I'll, I'm going to dive into the content for today. Father, um, we need you. Uh, we need you. Uh, Father, there's so much of what's happening in front of us right now that makes us kind of just want to sit on the sidelines, and sometimes out of fear we don't want to speak up, sometimes uh, out of uncertainty, sometimes out of different opinions or whatever, but God, would you remind us first that we're not citizens of Colorado Springs, we're not even citizens, you know, American citizens first. We are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. And we're supposed to represent your kingdom before we represent anything else. And so, God, I pray that you would bring us back to the center of your Holy Spirit and what it is that you're guiding us towards, the kingdom that you came to build. And so, Father, would you help us to weed out all the noise, weed out all the noise, and help us to to talk about something and to, to learn about something, to have a posture of learning on something that we know is important to you. And so, God, we love you. We, again, we need your help. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I share, share a story with you really quick? Uh, I almost died yesterday. I'm going to get your attention yet. So I'm, uh, I'm doing a wedding. It was I've done a lot of weddings. It was the craziest wedding I've ever done in my life. Okay, I was taken out in the middle of nowhere, um, I don't even know where we were, so I couldn't even give you like where, it was like a, an hour to an hour and a half off-roading, and we get to this cliff, okay? And if you were outside at all yesterday, you know that it was incredibly windy. And so we get to the edge of this cliff, and I'm not joking, it was at least like, it was 500 feet, like just straight down, but for the sake of storytelling, this thing was 1,500 feet deep. And they wanted me to stand as close to the edge as possible, uh, as I'm doing the, this wedding, as I'm getting ready to perform this wedding, and I'm not exaggerating, if you're at like 70 mile per hour winds. And so finally the groom, he just said, uh, you know, Aaron, I, let's move you a little bit further away because the last thing I want to happen on my wedding day is to kill my pastor. And I'm like, 
bless you, brother. And, you know, it's like, I think there's somewhere in the Bible in like 1 Aaron 3.16 that says, if you kill your pastor at a wedding, you're going to go to hell, something like that. So he knew that verse and uh, they pulled me away, but I'm not joking. I'm doing this wedding and I'm like grabbing the bride uh, as we're doing this. It's going <laughs> to, there'll be a video surface on this somewhere. We're going to win $10,000 on Americans most funny home videos or something. But uh, anyway, I'm glad to be here. And uh, while I was there, because I went, it was far away, stayed the night, and I'm processing on what I want to talk to you about today. And I'll be honest with you, uh, this was not an easy message to prepare. And the reason is because, yes, we're opening the doors and we're coming back and we're worshiping together. All these things that are exciting and everything in me, it's like, man, let's, let's talk about inspiration and let's be excited. And every time I tried to to get my words down on paper, I just kept coming back to the sentiment of it feels out of place. It feels out of place. But I do need, I need to let you know that there is an excitement inside of me that even in the midst of all the craziness happening around us right now, that there's still an excitement inside of me. And a lot of that excitement comes from what I observed you doing over the last two to three months. You see, I've said this often and in many different contexts that adversity reveals the true character of someone. Adversity reveals the true character of someone. And as a church, we just went through some adversity. And I believe it revealed a character about this church and something that shows me that I think that there's more that we can do. I think there's more that we can accomplish. I think God could give us bigger purposes and bigger challenges. And I think we're ready. I think we're ready to, to take a hill together to to accomplish something that none, not, any one indiv- not any one of us could have accomplished on our own, but together I think we can accomplish bigger and greater things. And I think God, right now, listen to me, I'm not, this is not the time to over-sensationalize anything. I believe this. I believe God still has work for you to do. I think God has work for you to do. I think God has work for me to do. I think God has work for us to do. And there's the potential, the potential for us to kind of like be like, man, it's like we just kind of tiptoed out of this pandemic and now we kind of find ourselves stepping into another storm with all the racial and political divide that's happening. And I think there's something in us that's just like, man, I just got to catch my breath and I got to get away. And I'm like, I've been cooped up. Let's get away. Let's take vacations. Let's get some me time. And that's good. And you need to do that soul care and self care. That's good. But please don't do that at the expense of seeing the opportunity in front of us right now, right now. That there are unique opportunities in front of us right now to show people what the church actually should always be about. We have the opportunity, church. We have the opportunity to change someone's story. You have the opportunity to make someone else's story better. I think about the people that God put intentionally in my life, and this is not an exhaustive list, but the people that he put in my life to make my story better, people like John Edwards and John Weiss and Dave Briggs and my wife, Emily Pennington, and in their own way, they've made my story better. Right now, there are a lot of people that you know and I know, and it might even be you, that are experiencing a type of hopelessness that four to six months ago, they wouldn't have even seen. They couldn't have even seen. But now, based on everything that's just kind of fallen on us and things, it's like venturing into the unknown. I think there's a sense of hopelessness. And we've determined that as a church, we're going to be a church that extends hope when life hurts. You have 
that opportunity. I believe God's given every single one of you the opportunity and the influence to extend hope to someone else right now. And it would be easy for us, and I, and I get it, it'd be easy for us just to bow out. Summertime, man, we've been cooped up in our house, and let's just take off, and let's just kind of focus on our vacations and all that stuff. And I think you need to do that, but please don't do it at the expense of the opportunity that I believe God is trying to show you right now. I believe if we see it, guys, we have the opportunity to extend hope when life hurts, and I believe it can change our family. I believe it can change our neighborhoods. I believe it can change our city. And I don't want to, again, let's, let's not, let, I'm not a fan of over-sensationalizing. I'm not going to get up here and like, we're going to change the world, because we're not. But listen to me. We can change our world. You can change your world. Sometimes that just begins with your neighbor. I don't believe it's because of the things that we're going to say that are going to make that big of a change. And the way that I would say it is actually this. Change won't come by what we say. Change will come by how we serve. Change will come by what we do, what we're willing to do. And I believe it comes through the context of serving more often than not. So what I want to do today is I want to build that case. And I want to teach on a text that I taught, not, taught on not too long ago, but for such a time as this, I feel like this is a text that we need to revisit today. And it's in Matthew's gospel. If you have your Bibles with you, feel free to turn open to Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to begin in verse 20. And uh, it begins like this. It says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, this is Jesus hanging out with his disciples. That's the context. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. Now, can we stop there? Because I'm going to show you something interesting. If you're new to the church, there are four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And sometimes the accounts um, refer to things differently. And some people, you know, critics would be like, oh, see, the, they don't say the same thing. Well, of course, they're written by four different people. And so people are going to remember some things maybe a little bit differently. I don't have a problem with that. And so in this uh, particular gospel account, it says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons, which would have been John and James, came to Jesus to ask him a favor. If you read Mark's gospel account of this same story, Mark leaves out the fact that it was their mom who came to Jesus on their behalf. In Mark's account, it just says that John and James came up to Jesus and asked him. And so, can we have a little fun with this really quick? I imagine that when Mark's sitting down and writing his gospel, John and James are like, hey, Mark, um, can you leave that part out where like our mommy like went to Jesus on our behalf? Like, and then maybe they tried to do the same thing with Matthew and Matthew's like, oh no, that's going in here. That's definitely going in here. Hey, I want to be selfish for a second. Today's actually my mom's birthday. And so if you can do me a favor on the count of three, say happy birthday, Brenda. She's watching online. She watches every week. She's like a top fan on Facebook for Trace Church. And so I love her to death. So on the count of three, say happy birthday, Brenda. One, two, three, happy birthday. <laughs> Love you, Mom. I know you're watching. Happy birthday. All right, so then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, he, she asked a favor of him. Jesus looks at her. What do you want? She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. He said, Man, you, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And they said, we, you know, so James and John are speaking up now. We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places to belong to those from whom they have been prepared by my father. 
And then when the 10 heard about this, the other disciples, again, that's the context, so the other disciples hear about this, and they're like, really? Really, guys? Like, out of everything going on, you would have taken this moment to try to get a step ahead of the rest of us, that you would have leveraged your little bit of time and your little bit of influence for the sake of your own benefit and your own opportunities instead of thinking about the bigger picture here. Really, guys? Jesus said to them, I'm sorry, down verse 24, when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. So Jesus called them all together. Again, he's like, okay, I can see that there's tension building here. Here's a teaching moment. He's like, everybody, you know, okay, guys, come in. Here we go. Let's get a little huddle here. I need to talk to you. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. And maybe you've experienced this too. Let me paraphrase. Guys, do you know that, you, you know, you've seen people in power, people that have position, the bosses, you know, you, have you seen that some of them, especially the godless ones, have you seen how they like to lord it over people? Do you, you see how they like to use their power and position to push it onto people where it's like, hey, I'm the boss. You listen to me. I've been reading a lot of books on leadership here recently. And one of the books that I read was by Simon Sinek, and he said, Leaders Eat Last. That's the name of the book. So often when you're in positions of leadership, especially you go back into history, and leadership for a lot of people felt like a, a privilege. And because I'm privileged to be the leader, you're going to do what I say. Where I've learned that leadership is more of a responsibility. Leaders eat last. So take care of those that are underneath your authority or leadership, however you would want to term it. And this is what Jesus, the point that Jesus is trying to make, where he's like, guys, there's going to be people now and in the future that are going to use their position and power and their influence to be leveraged for their own benefit and for their own sake. And they're going to abuse that power and they're going to abuse that privilege. And then he says something, and it's four words that have probably stuck with me more than any other four words that Jesus has ever uttered. Not so with you. Like, I know that's what everybody else does. I know everybody else is kind of looking for ways for them to leverage their own, you know, this, their little bit of time, a little bit of opportunity for their own, their own sake, for their own benefit, for their own value, whatever that looks like. But he goes, I've come to establish something different. Like, my kingdom, if you're wanting to be a part of what I'm trying to establish, it's going to look different. So when it comes to leveraging your influence for the sake of just your own personal gain. Not to say that you can't try to grow and achieve things. He's not saying that. But when you're just trying to leverage your own personal influence and whatever leadership God has given you just for your own personal gain, not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Can I pause there? You see, sometimes maybe we err on the other side too much, whereas followers of Jesus, we want to exercise this posture of humility so much where it's like, hey, I'm just going to sit back and, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, be quiet and I'm just going to love people. And I, and I don't think that's what Jesus is after either. He's like, no, listen, I want you to be great. I want you to achieve things, especially for the kingdom. I want those of you that have been gifted with higher levels of influence and leadership to see that you have a unique opportunity for that to be leveraged for my kingdom. You can be great. I want you to be great. And if I'm being selfish, I want us to be a great church. I want people, when they think about, great, when they think about Trace Church, to think, man, that church is, is great. Not because of worship or teaching, but because of what we're doing every time we walk out those doors and we go back to our workplaces. 
and back to our families and back to our neighborhoods because we have influence. And I believe when it's leveraged for God's kingdom, we can become great. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. If you've never spent any time just meditating on that phrase, I would strongly encourage you to do that. The very person who had all power at his fingertips could do whatever he wanted, didn't come to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We've been cooped up. We've been frustrated. Some of us have felt isolated. Uh, there's so many unknowns that have come through this COVID-19 you know, process and trying to figure out, you know, the, for unfortunately, the people that are losing their jobs, unfortunately, people losing their lives, and it's like, what's next? And, and so it's easy right now to lose sight of the opportunity because there's so many op obstacles in front of us. And you've heard us say this from this stage several times. I believe some of our greatest obstacles are also some of God's greatest opportunities. And I just want you to see it. I want you to see it because it's so easy. I think that because of what we've just experienced, it's going to be easy for us to maybe bend too far in the other direction and maybe focus too much. I'm not saying you shouldn't focus on yourself. I'm not saying you shouldn't go and take a vacation and get up in the mountains. I think you should, but not at the expense of the opportunity that I believe God is going to point out to each and every one of us if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to see. One of the things that I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed, is that it doesn't take much effort on your part to actually be a really big blessing in someone else's life. Uh, oftentimes it just comes on the other end of you being available, you being willing to listen, you being willing to sit down and just say, you know what, I don't need to talk about me right now. How are you? And God reminded me of this over this COVID-19 uh, time frame. And many of you got the email from me where I'm like, hey, if you want me to come and visit with you, uh, I'd be more than happy to do that. And so I had several uh, dozens of porch visits where I just came and I met with people in beautiful families like this and, and I just talked to them. And one of the things that God reminded me of is, Aaron, oftentimes life change won't come in a sermon. It'll come in a conversation. And I was able, and I've never, like, I've always tried to be careful because I am in a position of leadership. I've tried to be careful to kind of not think too highly of myself, more highly of myself than, than I ought, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12. And so there's a statement I tell myself uh, sometimes to try to humble myself. It's like, who are you? Like, who are you? But I've also had to be careful that I don't minimize my voice. And something that God has been showing me here recently is, Aaron, I've given you a voice for a reason. I've given you a platform. I've given you this platform for such a time as this. And I want you to use your voice because it has influence and it carries weight. And one of the things that I learned in a lot of these front porch conversations is that people are experiencing a lot of pain. And so I try to use my voice. And I was helping people navigate through, man, horrible situations, nasty divorces, abuse. It's helping people navigate through some doubts that they've got got in their faith. I was helping different marriages navigate through, you know, marital problems, helping people wrestle with different things. And one of the things I was reminded of is my voice can actually help people remove obstacles. And if you don't know this yet, it's a statement you're going to hear a lot around here. It's our new motive statement. In, in other words, this is the motivation behind everything that we're going to do at Trace, and that's to remove every obstacle, every obstacle to get you to Jesus. 
and your voice, and more importantly, your life has the opportunity and the availability and the influence to remove obstacles that actually get people to Jesus. And so often the obstacle that is keeping people from getting to Jesus is they're not experiencing the love of God through his people. They hear Christians talk about the love of God, but they just don't see it. And if you've never heard this, I hope it sticks. You might be the closest thing to Jesus that someone will ever see. I believe that to be true. You might be the closest thing to Jesus that someone will ever see. Now let me take it a step further. I believe we're most like Jesus when we're serving selflessly. And so if you might be the closest thing to Jesus that someone ever sees, what would we hope that they would see within you? A life of service, a life of selflessness, of serving people in the name of God, in the name of his kingdom, and not just focusing too much on your own life. You might be the closest thing to Jesus that someone ever sees. One of the things I think we all see in front of us right now is that there's need. And if I've learned anything about God in my 41 years of life is he often leads where there is need. And right now, I think people need Trace Church. And that's you. Yeah, I could talk really big and broad, you know, that people need the church, people need the body of Christ. And pe- yes, that's true, but I can't speak for those people. I don't have the privilege to be able to lead other churches. I have the privilege to be able to lead this church underneath the banner of Jesus Christ. And I want to both elevate the name of Jesus from this platform, but I also want to empower Jesus' followers to be agents of change. And the best way that I think that you can be an agent of change is actually serving people in the name of God. It's not going to be what we say, right? It's easy for us to get caught up in the things that we say, but we've determined as a church, we're never going to be the kind of church that comes in here and honors God with our lips only to leave those doors and deny him with our life. We're not a check the box kind of church. We aren't interested in nominal Christianity. We aren't interested in doing our Christian charity to make ourselves feel good. We all have probably been subjected to that at some point in our life where it's like, hey, let me, let me serve at this one event. Let me bring a couple cans of food to the food pantry. Let me you know, serve at the church a couple times. And now uh, I've done my Christian charity. I feel like I've been able to check the box. That's performance. God isn't interested in your performance. God's interested in your life, in your heart and your willingness to sacrifice for the sake of building his kingdom, not your own. And so I think it's really important that we get, be careful we don't just check the box of our Christian charity so that we feel like we're accomplished Christians. So what are we interested in? We're interested in showing people the love of Jesus, walking in the ways of Jesus, and demonstrating the kingdom of God that Jesus came to establish. And we will do that not just in what we're willing to say, but what we're willing to do. And I believe that comes through the context of serving more than anything else. <laughs> You know as well as I do that we're committed to being a church who doesn't just want to honor God with our lips and deny him with our lives. We're on mission, on mission, to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. That's why I hope you read that every time you walk out those doors. That's not just a little clever you know, statement to make us feel like, yay, you know, I'm a trace. No, we're on mission to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. And I'm not sure there will ever be another time in our lives where there will be so many opportunities to be a trace of God's love. Let me say it differently. I'm not sure there's gonna be another time in our lives where it's as important for you to actually be on mission with us to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. Let me challenge maybe some of you. If you've been playing it safe as a Christian, Now's the time to stop doing that. 
we can't afford to be halfway followers of Jesus. Our world is too fragile, our lives are too uncertain, and our time is too short. Can I say it again? We can't afford to be halfway followers of Jesus right now. Our world is too fragile, our lives are too uncertain, and our time is too short. All we have, all you have, is a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity. That's all any of us have, just a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity to bring a little bit more of God's kingdom to this earth. When Jesus was talking to his disciples and he's giving them kind of an outline of how to pray, he says, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if we sincerely, sincerely, together as a church, decided to reframe that statement just a little bit? Your kingdom come, your will be done in Colorado Springs as it is in heaven. I believe that's what God's calling us to as a church. It's not time to sit on the sidelines. It's not time to be a play it safe Christian. It's not time to be a nominal Christian. It's time to get in the game. It's time to be reminded that God has a job for you to do, not because he needs you to perform, but because he's given you a purpose. He's given you a platform. He's given you position and influence, and he wants you to leverage that for the sake of his kingdom. And so if you have any temptation inside of you over the course of this summer. Let's just keep it, let's keep a short window here. Let's just look at the summer. If there's any temptation to kind of just dismiss the opportunities in front of us and just focus on yourself, don't just listen to me. Listen to the voice of our Lord and our leader when he said, not so, not so with you. Not so with you. So here's what I want to do. I want to give us some really practical action steps that I'd love for each of us to take over the course of the summer. The first one many of you have already taken, and that is we would want you to get into a group. And there's a higher emphasis on why I'd want you to get into a group that I'm going to talk about here in just a moment. But one of the things that we're going to do over the course of the summer is have our groups go through this series called The Chosen. Now, if you haven't watched this yet, I would highly encourage you to watch this. But let me... Um, let me give you a caveat uh, to my recommendation here. I've watched a lot of stuff that's been put, put out there underneath kind of like the Christian banner in the life of Jesus, and a lot of it's garbage. Um, and the reason I think I need to tell you that is because I have watched this, and in comparison to everything else that I've seen, this is probably one of the best depictions that I've ever seen of the life of Christ and his disciples, and it will cause you to think differently about it. Well, more than anything, it's going to cause the gospel to come to life in a new way for you, and I think that's incredibly important. And so not only do we want you to go through this in a group context and discuss it, I'd love for you to do this with your kids. We took, allowed our kids to watch uh, the first season. I think they're in the process of coming out with a second season. And so we want you to get in a group. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that today if you're not in a group already. I'm going to talk more about groups here in just a moment. Second thing that I'd like for us all to do is to serve, uh, be a part of one service project over the course of the summer. Just one. All I want you to do is be a part of one service project over the course of the summer. In other words, I'm setting the bar so low you should be tripping over it, okay? And the reason I'm pointing out this trailer is because we've just put this together and obviously this is what it says. You can read that. Love your neighbor, change the world. I really believe that that's possible. I believe Jesus meant what he said when he was cornered by a Pharisee, uh, a teacher of the law who said, all right, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they would have been like, oh, and he's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, I'm not done. Yeah, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, it, <clears throat> excuse me, and the second is like it. He's comparing the first one with whatever he's getting ready to say next. So everybody's awareness and attention is heightened. Like what? Like he's going to, 
He's gonna say this, the second is like loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, yeah, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, if you want to show God love, then you need to love people. Again, you've heard me say this before. It's not love God, love people. We love God by loving people. That's how we show God love. That's how we show God that we're willing to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we need your help because right now this is empty. And so what we've done is we've created a registry at Lowe's uh, that we're gonna send a link out to. Uh, we'll send it through uh, email. It'll be on our app. It'll be on social media. And if you get on that link, it's a registry at Lowe's and it's different um, working supplies that we need to buy to fill up this trailer so we can do uh, different projects around the city. Again, it could be a project for an elderly person that you know that can't get out and do their own landscaping. We're, try to, we're trying to keep our service projects outside because of all the COVID-19 stuff. Excuse me. So um, we feel like this trailer is going to be a great resource and a great tool uh, for us over the summer. We'd love for groups to serve together. Maybe you could go to an elementary school and do some landscaping for them or a nursing home, whatever it looks like. One service project. One service project uh, this summer. And I believe if we all do that, then we're going to be representing who we are as a church really well. The last thing um, that I'll talk to you about, it's not going to be necessarily for everyone, but it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, there's a camp up in the mountains on the way to Breckenridge, about two hours away, and it's called Camp Como. And it's in kind of our brotherhood of churches uh, that we're a part of, and this camp is in disrepair. Now, I'm personally a huge fan of camps. One of the statements that you'll hear us use in the future uh, that I believe is 100% true is that camps, um, camps cultivate life-changing Christ. Camps cultivate life-changing life Christ. Just really quick, how many of you guys actually have ever made a big decision at a Christian camp? Just raise your hand. Many of you. I gave my life to the Lord uh, at a Christian camp in North Carolina. And so we know what the possibility uh, or the opportunities that camps can bring, especially to our young people, when we get them away from a lot of the, the tensions and a lot of the, the craziness of their life and get them up in the mountains where they can hear the voice of God, where they can be taught that God has a purpose for their life and that there's something a lot more than what the world is offering them. And so uh, before that happens, we need, to, we need to do some work up there. And so at the end of July, I don't have the specific dates yet, but if you're interested in this, please come let me know. We're going to take a bunch of people up there and just do some renovations. If you're good with construction or anything like that, uh, people have asked me, is it okay if you know, women go? Of course it's okay if women go. Uh, I think we'll probably cap the age at 14, uh, but we're going to go up there and do a lot of work. And here's what I envision. I, I just have to share this with you. I envision uh, not only our teenagers going up there, but as Father's Day is approaching, here's what I would tell you, dads. Um, I want to put together something called legacy trips. And in these legacy trips, uh, I want there to be weekends where it's just dad, dads and daughters, just dads and daughters. And you go up there and it's a specific time that's organized. We already have a leader that's really excited about organizing this. Uh, just time between you and your daughter, speaking truth and, and grace and love and value into her life. And then we want to have times where there's, you know, for dads and sons, where dads can go up and just specifically speak into the lives of their sons and look at them and say, you got what it takes. You got what it takes. Before any of that happens, uh, we got to get some work done. So again, I don't have the specific dates. We're waiting on the director of the camp to get back with us. But if you're willing to help out with that at the end of July, again, they can't do camps this, this year. So we've got some time there, uh, but we want to get that done as well. Here's what I want to finish with, and it's the re-emphasizing the groups. 
We don't know if this building will always be promised to us. Didn't we just learn that? This building can be removed from us, but the call for us to be followers of Jesus, that will never be removed. And so if for whatever reason, you know, God forbid there's another resurgence of COVID-19 in the fall and they say we can't gather again, the best thing that I feel like I can do for each and every one of you is to keep you into a Christian community context. The best way I can get you in a Christian or biblical community context is to be a part of a group. We don't know if this building, this gathering is always promised to us. We just learned that. But if I can get you into a group that I know you're going to continue to experience community. So many of you, so many people just went through a season of deep isolation. God did not create you for isolation. When he was creating in the beginning of time, he said, you know, he creates something, say it was good. He creates something, it was good. And then he gets to Adam and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. He notices isolation. The first time that God utters the words out of his mouth, this is not good, is when he noticed isolation. You were not created for isolation. Let us get you into a group context so that you can experience community regardless if we're allowed to gather in this room or not. And to emphasize this point even further, uh, I want you to hear from one of my friends. My name is Danielle Westcott, and I started at Trace uh, about three years ago, a little over three years ago. My mom and I started going here with my daughter and, and we just found it a really, we found it to be the place that we needed to be. A group was, well, that kind of pulled me in actually. Um, I didn't have plans on it. I had joined a group uh, that the scheduling didn't just, it just didn't work out with mine um, at the time. And so um, I, wanted to get back into groups and I kept saying I was going to and then um, I was having a little bit of a hard time in life and um, you guys were talking about Rooted coming up and um, I, I kept trying to find reasons to sabotage myself and not go and that's the honest truth honest truth and um, I just I I uh, even missed the first week um, because I was like, no, this isn't going to work or that's not going to work or I have Bloom or that's not because I was signing up for Bloom at the same time and then I was signing up for Rooted and I was trying to find reasons why it wasn't going to work. But I actually did make it work. I showed up for the second class. Um, it changed my life, really. Um, the people in the group and the leaders, uh, just amazing, um, welcomed me with open arms. I didn't, had no idea that it was going to be like that. I tend to, I guess, have doubt that uh, things are going to work out right or that I'm going in the right direction. And um, I've just had a lot of challenges. And so just really stepping into that faith and knowing that he's got me, you know what I mean? And like with these, I probably would have never said yes. And I just said yes. I was definitely nervous and I didn't want to take that leap forward, but definitely, you know, if you feel it in your heart and you feel it in your soul and it makes you cry or something, you know, because that's what it did to me and it pulled me through and it said, you know, just do it because why not? Because what if not, you know, and what if you don't? It could be different, you know, but what if you do? What if you do? 
What if you do take that leap and you do jump in, both feet in, you know, and you could change your life? If you'd like to get in a group today, uh, all you have to do after we're done is go out and there's a booth out there with some people that are willing to talk with you. And uh, even if you're not ready to make the leap but want to know more, you can ask questions out there and we'd love to get you in a group. Again, I think truly it's probably one of the best things that I could help you do. So here's what we're going to do. I want to lead us into a time of response. And I don't know where you're at and I don't know what God's convicting you of right now and I don't know what God's speaking to you, uh, but I know we serve a God and we love a God and we worship a God who speaks. And I believe he's got something that he wants you to do. Uh, not because he needs you to perform, because he has a purpose for you. He wants to use your influence and leverage the, you know, the influence that you have in your life for the sake of his kingdom. And so one of the ways that we are grounded and we come back to that reality is through celebrating in something called communion. And in communion, we take a piece of bread or a cracker in this instance that represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us. And we take some juice that represents his blood that was spilled out for us. And as followers of Jesus, this is what we've been called to do is to remember that. Remember what Jesus did for you on the cross by taking those emblems. Now, a couple things really quick. We do have some communion cups at six different tables. There's two back there and then there's uh, two on both of these walls. And knowing that everybody, you know, there's different comfort levels with where everybody is with the COVID stuff. Um, if you feel like, you know what, I don't want to go up there. I don't want to touch too many surfaces. I don't want to wait in line. Uh, we get that. And I, we don't want to shame anybody for that. But we would encourage you to, at some point today or this week, celebrate with communion. You don't need a, a preacher. You don't need a church building. Um, you just need to know what it represents. And so we would encourage you to do that. Also, uh, for those of you that have come ready to give, thank you. Again, we talked about all the things we've been able to accomplish because your generosity. We want to keep growing in generosity. And so uh, if you've come ready to give today, there's buckets over on those tables where you can drop an offering off, uh, drop an offering at, and then you can also give through our app. That's probably the easiest way to do that. You got to get our app, get our app, get our app, because there's so many things. You can submit prayer requests through that. Uh, make sure you get our app. That's probably the best way to stay connected at Trace. And then some of you just, you just need to sit. You need to soak in the presence of God. Uh, you need to hear the next song that the wor our worship leaders are going to take us through and just allow God to minister to you uh, because you just need to hear from him right now. That's why we want this to be a thin space. We don't know how God wants you to respond, but we do know he wants you to respond. So we're going to hand that over to him. I'm going to pray, and then I'll encourage you to respond. Father, God, uh, I think that a lot of us, if not most of us, probably have more influence than we think we do that can be leveraged for your kingdom. I think so many times we diminish what we think we're capable of, uh, the difference that we can potentially make. And so God, if, if anything, God, would you allow a spirit of empowerment to come over this room and over these people and over me that we would see that you've given us a voice that you've given us a platform, that you've given us opportunities to show people Jesus. And I think we best do that when we're serving in your name. And so God, would you highlight those opportunities for us and help us to be intentional to take that step and just to go for it. God, in this time where we remember the cross, let us remember how beautiful of a gift it is that you have extended grace to us, even though every single day we're gonna mess up. Every day, 
but we're still given grace, unmerit, your unmerited favor. And maybe if nothing else right now, we just need to say thank you for that because we don't deserve it, but you gave it to us anyway. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.